Hey, Tommy. What? Guess what? I don't know what. We hit our 500th unique download this weekend. Hot damn. We did How it. awesome is that? That's fantastic. Thank you, everybody. Thank That's you, great all. great news. So much. I want everyone today to have a beer in celebration of our 500th episode. In fact, I'm here right now with the Pacifico Clara La Cerveza del Pacifico. Ah, that sound. All right. That's a little easier to open than the wine bottle, huh? <laughs> it wasn't a wine bottle. It wasn't a wine bottle. A Glenn Levitt bottle of whiskey, yeah. which actually makes it even worse. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm here with my uh, equally easy to open uh, Michelob Ultra. So uh, I'm celebrating from, I guess, a little bit of a uh, cheaper domestic tier, but a tier of celebration nonetheless. Oh, yeah. Ooh, was that when like the foam kind of came out of the uh, top a little bit too? A little, a little bit, yeah. Uh, that's not fantastic when you open up a nice ice cold Michelob Ultra. Mm-hmm. Cheers to you, viewer, and cheers to you, Chris. 500. We did it. We did it. It's awesome. Thanks, buddy. Couldn't have done it without you. Likewise. Hello, listeners. Happy Sunday. Another Sunday in the books. It seems that time is going by so fast still. This summer is going to be over before you know it. It's true. And it will have rained the whole time. (laughs) This rain has been terrible, man. It's been something crazy, I tell you. It's like Tropic Island rain. You ever go to like Dominican Republic or I don't know, any of those other countries where it just like rains like hardcore for like 20 minutes and then it's over? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the microburst where it, it just, it absolutely like downpours. And then when the, the torrent of rain is over, then it's like the sun comes out and it's like it never happened. So apparently it's been raining so hard in New York that the subways flooded. Well, that's kind of crazy. Uh what are they what are they going to do with all the rats down there? I don't know. Maybe it was a point to drown them all, but I do have to say I read nothing about it. Somebody just verbally told me and it's crazy that you don't see the news about it because it's like workers being forced to come back into work and oh, the subway's flooding now. So it's like let's not put that on the news because if people see that they're not going to want to come back to the city to boost our real estate prices and commercial real estate prices again because Mr. Morgan Stanley's portfolio keeps declining. Yeah, it's true. It's kind of like uh it is kind of like the what we were talking about, you know. It could be you know, the news is being fed by uh the people who don't want that information out there because they want everybody returning to work. So there's like a conscious effort to try and suppress that. But that's crazy. Yeah, I I didn't hear anything about that in the news. You would think that would be newsworthy. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, man, they are trying to keep it a secret because everyone needs to go back to work because no one during this pandemic was able to work proficiently from home. It's just not doable. So everyone needs to go back to work. You know, everyone, they're saying, start coming back with three days and it's okay. But three days, four or five months from now will turn into four days. And then another four or five months will go by and it'll just turn it back into you're there five days a week. Yeah. I don't think the transition is going to take very long. You know, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. Uh, it's not going to be long till, uh, 
at least on a corporate level, everything's just as it was before the pandemic, which again, doesn't make sense to me. Uh, you know, we talked about that in a previous episode when we said, you know, one would think that corporations would save money by having everybody work at home. And I have talked to a few people who are in, you know, mid tier upper, you know, lower upper echelons of, uh, corporations and they kind of agree with me so they're not seeing the big picture either which means that the the big picture really is only visible from like the tippy top exactly and that you bring up a good point referencing previous episodes we kind of did something the last three weeks that i don't think we were expecting to do we kind of created a small mini series as like not i don't want to even say mini series but we created like a mini episodic show on our podcast the last couple of weeks. It started with the Sheep of Penn Station, ghosted on the 4th of July, having Joe come in for our stock episode. And now we're here today kind of just wrapping it up because I feel like those three episodes, including today's episode, really hit all the same topic and it really correlates. It's true. Yeah, we had a little bit of a saga going on here. Is that what it's called? A saga? When you have a seat, like let's just say you have a season of something. And every episode is different, but then you have like a three-parter or something. What is that called? It's called like a saga? I mean, I would call it that. I think that's what it's that's what it would refer to. Saga is just like a story where there's like a common theme, I think. I don't know. Let's actually look up the definition of a saga. Saga sounds pretty epic. I wouldn't know if our podcast is epic yet. <laughs> ah, a long story of heroic achievement, especially a medieval prose narrative. An old Norse or old Icelandic. Well, then that's not what we had. <laughs> I, I was going to say the sock. We should change our name to Chris and Tom's Epic Saga Podcast. <laughs> that's true. A long involved story, account, or series of incidents is an alternate definition. I think that also that also works. We went on a spiel. Let's say that we went on a spiel. Listen, everyone, the Chris and Tom show is now canceled, and we are now going to go by the epic Chris and Tom podcast show saga. Yes, I think I think that's a good thing for our brand. This is a good step forward for us. Just be crazy and shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're a lot, I will also say we had a very G-rated episode last week. Mm. Yes, I did. I noted that on uh, when I shared the story. I realized just how clean the episode was. I don't think I don't think we even said damn. We might have said somebody doesn't give a damn about something, but I think that was even I think they could even say stuff like that in Little House on the Prairie. I think so too. Remember back in the day when you were able to say the P word on a PG movie? I think Groundhog Day with Bill Murray, like they didn't have PG thirteen ratings yet. So PG was actually like adultish. Yeah, it's true. PG just meant that, like, hey, there was a, there was a, there were going to be kids in the audience, but it wasn't the movie wasn't necessarily for them. And then, like in the, I want to say in the '90s or so, is when it really started to take that turn. Because remember, Galaxy Quest, I think, was Galaxy Quest was PG, and I think they said fuck. They did. Twice. They said the f word in that movie. Sigourney Weaver said fuck that. And then remember, there's the one part where the guys run up on Tim Allen while he's in the bathroom, and they're like, "How many, you know, how many rooms does the the such, you know, whatever the name of the ship was?" Tim Allen's like, "There was 
no, whatever the name of the ship was, there was no goddamn ship. <laughs> I remember laughing at the, even though that part of the movie wasn't explicitly supposed to be funny. It was, it always made me laugh as a kid. <laughs> I guess they dubbed it out since just because they wanted a PG 13 rating for some re- or a PG rating and they didn't want the PG 13 rating. It's very strange to want a PG rating. I think whether you go PG or PG 13, kids will go see a PG 13 movie. Like, yeah, I don't think it really makes too much of a difference. I mean, I think you really got to like as a parent, you really got to be somebody who's like like hypersensitive of the of what your kids take in, like the media they watch because I've never known any parent ever who's really cared too much about the difference between a PG and a PG-13 movie. Remember when the South Park movie came out? Fuck fuckity fuck fuck fuck. It's not hurting anyone. What's the big fucking deal? Yeah. Sure. It's not hurting anybody. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it hurts somebody. Maybe. There are people out did. there. There are genuinely people out there who do believe that, like, curse words are uh, are like a form of magic. They're like a thing that I learned about recently. I have a potty mouth. I do curse a lot. Mm-hmm. And I stand by when I heard that someone said the most intelligent of people curse. I don't even know if that was proper English. <laughs> Whoever said that, you're my fucking idol. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... that. I think that checks out. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a literary uh, genius here, but I, yes, you I are. do think that, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I think that, uh, I think it checks out the, the grammatic structure of that sentence. I think it checks out. Anywho, back to our show last week with Joe, it was a very educational stock podcast. In my opinion, it didn't tell you what to buy. I actually got like three or four messages. So what am I buying? No, we went, we didn't go there. Honestly, if any of you want to hang out and meet Joe, him and I are good friends. You can join us and talk about your portfolio, but it's not something that I think we want to post on our podcast just in case he gives you bad advice yep. live. We're not the we're not the motley, we're not the motley fool over here. We're not trying to tell you the six hot stocks that are, uh, you know, better than Amazon when Amazon first debuted. That's not that's not what we're trying to do. And I feel like even if Somebody paid us to do that. I wouldn't do that because that kind of flies in the face of all the things we were talking about before where where people will deliberately just try and use a platform to take advantage of other people. You know, that's what Jordan Belfort would do. He'd tell you which stocks to buy. You bring up a good point with Jordan Belfort because he'd be the type of person that would tell people what stocks to buy. And as you see his whole following, his little cult following, because that's what I'm going to call those people, his little cult following buying all those stocks, he'll short it just to fuck them too. Yep. That's his kind of his MO is just to to pump stuff like that and then use it as a means to take advantage of people. And I'm glad we don't do that. I'm glad we don't give stock picks on this show. (laughs) I think the advice of buying something that you know, it seems like it's very casual advice that you would give people, but it is one of those things where you're kind of looking through what stocks to buy. You're like, well, I really don't know what to buy. It is true. Like buy stuff that we know. We kind of think that Apple is a stock that everyone knows. Apple really hasn't plummeted. It is a wise investment. It's just expensive. So it's kind of doing the research on the stocks that you do know that are affordable and you're looking to hold, I guess. The day trading thing is a little interesting, I guess, if you have enough money to do it and to make a a profit every single day. Yeah. The other thing too that uh, 
I we didn't bring up last week, but got mentioned to me, and I thought it was a good enough point to to kind of kind of pepper in here, is that you can buy on Robinhood at least. And I'm sure you can do it on the other platforms by now too. Uh, you could buy fractional shares of stuff. So if you don't have enough money to buy a share, uh, an entire share of Apple, you know, whatever it's worth now, I don't, I don't even know what it's worth as of today. But if you don't have enough money to buy that or an Amazon, a single Amazon stock, you can buy a fraction of it. You know, you can throw like 50 bucks at it and get like 0.01 shares of it or something like that. So you can over time build up a share or multiple shares of these companies too. Well, that's good. Yeah, I thought it was a thought it was good. Fractional shares of stock. I own a half of a half of a half of Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> well, is is that how you talk to somebody who owns 0.0001% of a share of Berkshire Hathaway Class A? <laughs> also, last week, there was a piece in the interview that we did not put on the recording that I'm actually going to share momentarily. We discussed with Joe Roth IRAs, which we thought would be a solid investment for people who don't necessarily want to trade stocks, but also do want to invest in their retirement. So I'm going to link that in shortly, just so you can hear that conversation and use that to your knowledge as well. That was a good one. And then after that clip, I do want to let everyone know I did speak to an accountant and I'm going to give you some confirmations of some stuff, but ultimately give you the best advice if you are actively trading or gambling. So here's the clip. And then my last question is, and we spoke about this and it was such great advice. um, I did want to put it on this podcast. Roth IRAs. Okay. Do you recommend everyone have a Roth IRA and can everyone have a Roth IRA? I recommend everyone to have a Roth IRA. And the reason is a Roth IRA, all this, and you guys probably know this, but I'm just saying it for anybody who's listening. Roth IRA means that you can actually take, so you have a traditional IRA, but Roth IRAs, you already, the, there's a max amount you can put in there. I believe the amount is 6000 a year right now. Um, the thing is that that 6,000, it's not like other IRAs or, or, um, 401k you're putting in $6,000 that's already been taxed. You're, you're putting your own 6,000 in there, right? The thing is the reason it's capped at six grand. So in 10 years, you could put 60,000 in, but off of that 60,000 or 6,000 every year, you don't have to pay taxes on that. So if you can grow that to whatever, I want to say there is no tax implication for Roth IRA. You know, so for everything else, you have to. So people who put their money in a four hundred one k, so they 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 have money getting pulled out of their check, and um, you know, you beat Uncle Sam initially because they're pulling it out of your check pre taxed. But a lot of people don't know that down the line, when you pull your four hundred one k out, you're just going to be taxed at a different rate. But you are going to get taxed, whether it be sixty five, seventy, whatever it is. I'm going to say with Roth, there is no interest. I mean, not. I'm sorry, not no. There is no tax on that. So if you could turn that to whatever number you want. So that's 6,000. If there's like one investment, my father always said that you should, 401k is important because that's also, that's someone investing your money for you, right? So if you don't know what you're doing, why not do that? You have three choices. You want it low risk, medium risk, high risk, right? So a 401k is like a starter tool, but I think that a Roth IRA is imperative, you know? And I want to say like, uh, you know, you have every year till tax day. I think April 15th is when you got to pay it by. 
I think this year they extended it with the tax data, like May 17th. But I think that Roth IRA is something that everyone should do. I think $6,000, you know, saving five, I'm not saying that everyone can do that, but five, saving 500 a month. And now your gains could be ridiculous. You never know what that could turn into, you know? I started doing that with Microsoft. I think Microsoft was like 50 bucks a share when I started doing it. Now it's like, I don't know, 270, 280 a share, something like that. So I think that you should definitely do that. Also, if one more thing, not that you ask this, if you buy stocks, there are companies that pay you dividends, right? Every quarter. If you have dividends, don't take the little check that they give you. Have your dividends reinvested into the stock. Because you can take your dividend to just purchase a portion of the stock. So I've gotten like free shares of Microsoft and Apple over, over the years because they pay dividends. And I used to be stupid and take like $40, $50 checks and go buy stupid things with that. But instead now what I do is every time that they send a dividend check to me, I have it reinvested right into the stock. So it purchases it again. Eventually you will. So anybody who's listening to this, if you have like a Robinhood account or a TD Ameritrade account, whatever it is, you do have the option for dividend reinvestment. You do want to do that. So just, you know, because then it's, you know, eventually that is them paying you. Right. And that you are now purchasing more shares with free money. There's no reason that someone shouldn't do that either. That's also I don't, super solid advice. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I do think Roth IRA, yes. And I think if you have stocks with dividend, uh, which a lot of people do, if you own Apple, it's a dividend paying stock. Um, you should do dividend reinvestment because why not take the, you know, even if you get a quarter or a tenth of a share per quarter, you know, eventually it will add up. Awesome. I do want to do a calling out to our listeners on this one. This was a lot of information. Get back to us with, some additional questions, not what stock to buy, but real questions. And Joe, you'll definitely come on again. I'd love to actually get some feedback from our listeners on this episode and then actually ask you some questions from the listeners on this podcast. So I think that'd be cool. Just as long as everybody again understands you're not a financial advisor and you're not an accountant. No, I just want everybody to win. I'm just telling, like I said, when I was growing up, my father, I was blessed to have a father that decided to teach me this. And literally right away, I taught my friends as well. And then, you know, like when I used to work at Bank of America, I set up probably at least 50 to 100 401ks just for people because I knew there wasn't someone in their life that actually pointed that out to them. So, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, there's no reason. I just want to make sure that people do well with it. And you guys are, have always been good friends of mine. I I love talking to y'all. So I I have no problem. Like, you know, I, I, hopefully, I don't think I said many mistakes. I try not to say anything crazy about it, but you know, I just want everyone to win and do well with this. That's that's a great outlook, Tommy. You got any last questions for Joe, or do we got everything? Yeah, I think I think we kind of covered everything for now. I think at this point, if we ask any any more questions, it might be it might be too much information. Yeah. So I think I think we have a good amount right now for everybody to kind of digest. Because yeah. yeah, if I start if I start asking more questions, we're gonna get too technical. <laughs> but yeah, we're definitely. Next up. time I see next time I see you, Joe. That's a, that's what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely, about. of course. It's and, and Joe, I actually that. have one more from you, Jordan Belford. Should he be canceled? I'm not down with people stealing money from anybody else. So I don't it, him glamorizing it to be cool. He literally swindled a ton of people. So I'm not a fan of anybody that does that. I believe that when you go to sleep, you should have go to sleep guilt free and not have done anything wrong to anybody. You know. And that's not really the route that he takes. And I want to say that you kind of even opened my eyes with that from listening to you talk about it, to be honest with you. I'm glad. I'm glad very slowly, one person at a time, because he's still worth $100 million. He stole $200 million. He paid a very little portion. And there are people who 
praise this man, and he just, you know, got a slap on the wrist. So yeah, he swindled people. Dude. There's no difference between him and Robin Bank. So I don't condone it. I don't think that was like you know, the best move. And he's really, he's really happy about it too. So what can he do? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's so a white collar criminal part. who got away with it. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't seem like he feels bad at all. No, no, of course yeah. not. So the last part of that clip, which Joe, thanks again for everything. I know you're probably listening to this. Is Joe endorsing our cancel Jordan Belfort? We do think that this is someone who was not held accountable enough for what he did. And people need to acknowledge this, that the Wolf of Wall Street is not cool. It's not something anybody should aspire to be, to be a con man who takes advantage of people and thinks that uh, it's okay to play fast and loose with other people's money. And then, you know, when he actually when everything kind of hit the fan and it really came down to him being faced with the gravity of all the crimes he committed, he never atoned for it. And he was also never really held responsible in any kind of meaningful way. And I would say this is one of many accountability mistakes that this country has made. Now, obviously we weren't in the courtrooms. We don't know what deals were struck with, Jordan Belford and his legal team. But at the same time, from what we can see online, and let me tell you, this guy spent probably millions of dollars hiding everything that he's done because it's very rare when you when you search him, there's more positive stuff. You don't see any of his mugshots in Google images. You see pictures of him looking like a successful millionaire who has done wonders, a motivational speaker who helps people. You who listen and put money in his pocket should be ashamed that you praise this man. I go on LinkedIn, Tom, and everyone's like, Jordan, I'm in this business. Come talk to me. Like, First off, Jordan Belfort will never put money in your pocket. He just wants to take money from you for listening to his bullshit. Sell me this pen. We already went down that road. The only way Jordan Belfort's going to buy that pen is if you have a giant stash of pure Colombian cocaine and that pen gets that coke in his nose the best way possible without any little dribbles of cocaine going on the table. That is how you sell him a pen. And I'm sure he'll try to sell it back to you after it's all used up. Yep. (laughs) This has been in my nose. It's worth more. (laughs) (laughs) I got a little, I got a little blood on here. Think about how much this is worth. (laughs) It's a big mistake. Really? We all need to acknowledge it. You know, this is our last episode where we're really touching on it, but cancel Jordan Belfort. He is a big mistake of America's accountability. Financial ruin is just as bad as killing someone because you're, it's a murder of the soul. You can ruin somebody's living life by taking everything away from them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, a person's money is the means to which they can experience uh, anything good in a capitalist society in which we live. Uh, so, you know, that's that's kind of really bad when somebody has traded all their time to amass this money and then uh, somebody like. Jordan Belfort comes and, and swindles multiple people out of it. 
Uh, he's basically taken large portions of their life away from them by doing that. Exactly. And those are people like us and listeners. I doubt we have anybody that are millionaires listening right now. So it's people like you. Jordan Belfort took advantage of people like you, whether you have $5,000 in your savings account, or if you have upwards of fifty dollars to $100,000 in savings, just imagine him telling you he can sell you the world, get you the world, triple, quadruple, 20 times that amount of money in a brand new penny stock, and it's gone. And all he had to do was 22 months in jail and barely paid any of his damages back to you. Now, if this were Bernie Madoff, it'd be a totally different story because he stole from people that write your paycheck. And that is where it became a problem. You can't steal from millionaires and billionaires. But the country has made it quite clear, maybe not the country, but the legal system has made it quite clear that it's okay to steal from people like us, but it's not okay for people to steal from the elites. Yeah. The elites have friends in high places. That's why there's the same people who helped make sure that, um, that Jordan Belfort got, uh, you know, got it easy, you know, cause I mean, you, you, 22 months in prison, but did he go to like a prison prison? He wasn't in any kind of actual place. He went to the place, you know, the kind of place that someone like Martha Stewart goes where it's basically like, it's not even like camping. I don't even want to say it's like roughing it. It's like living how an average person lives. <laughs> right. <laughs> All yeah, these rich you're people absolutely get together right. in, a, in a facility and just uh, they basically have to pretend to be poor for a couple months or years. I guarantee if we look into the Martha Stewart scandal a little bit more, we'd realize that she wasn't held to the highest accountability that probably people like us would be held to for insider trading. I mean, I'm not smart enough to be an insider trader, but I'm sure Martha Stewart didn't do the amount of time that she probably should have done. But again, she was very smart. She started hanging out with Snoop Dogg and it's like, oh, Martha Stewart's cool now. Yeah. Ooh, they've both been to prison. Actually, I don't know so, if Snoop Dogg's ever been to prison. I, I think next week's episode, we are gonna we are doing something super special for our listeners. We're gonna do our first countdown of celebrities and other financial criminals who were not held accountable for their actions. So it's gonna be a fun episode where we just do a countdown. It's gonna be either top 10, top 15, or top 20. Not entirely sure. We haven't gotten that far yet. It all depends on how long it takes us, mm-hmm. but it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. That will be a great ending of our four episodic saga, saga, saga. I like that. We should rewrite the word saga and make it like a, po- a mini series podcast within a season. Ooh, I like that saga. So listeners, I did speak to an accountant this week and I wanted to confirm a few items that, were in fact discussed during our podcast. Again, Joe is not an accountant and Joe is not a financial advisor. So the first thing is after discussing what we discussed on our podcast, it is highly recommended that you do not do your own tax returns. If we are talking thousands of dollars traded in, thousands of dollars traded out, whether you're a day trader or a value trader who holds the stock to get the capital gains tax, get an accountant because there are a lot of things that need to be crossed off while you're doing your taxes. That's item number one. Item number two is if you actually are a day trader, 
there is a specific box that you do check off on your tax returns. And Tommy, the one thing we did not hit last week's episode and being a day trader means you do not get to take advantage of the capital gains tax if you hold it for more than a year. So that was one of the most interesting things I got from the accountant I spoke with. That's a pretty, that's, yeah, that is pretty important because yeah, I could see how people would think that, uh, you know, holding on to it regardless, you know, you could trade stuff during the day, but then you've also got long stocks that you're holding on to for a long time. And so you, so basically what you're saying then is that if you check that box to say you're a day trader, that any of your income comes from day trading, then you don't get to take advantage of the capital gains tax, even if you've held the stock for the appropriate amount of time. That is correct. And in addition to that, if you are classified as a day trader, it's like that is your full-time job. You also don't, and this is a benefit, you don't have to be stuck with that $3,000 rule that was discussed. So if you are an actual day trader, you don't have to follow that $3,000 rule where someone who is not a day trader. That is very interesting. See, and that that does make more sense though, because essentially you, you kind of are gambling with stocks a little bit than you're doing so on like a professional level. It's beneficial for people, I guess, who are really considered a day trader, but a day trader is a profession. It is your actual source of income rather than an investment. So I guess in the eyes of us layman's is that being a day trader is a job and it is a occupation where your normal income comes in. Whereas if you are everyday long-term investor, it's treated differently because it's not your full-time job. The other item that he had mentioned to us was the wash sale. So the only way that works is if it's in benefit of the government. So if you show a loss and then buy it for a profit, you're going to have to pay taxes on it. You can't do the reverse where you buy it and then you sell it at a loss and you're able to write it off. So Uncle Sam wins in the sense of a wash sale. Yeah, you know, they they set it up just like they set up the taxes to be like deliberately complex to the level where you have to have an accountant do them. You know, they they set up uh, trading structures like that so that you can't just game the system, write it all off pretty much. So I, that uh, while I think that's shitty, that does make sense, I guess, if you follow the logic of it. And going back to my conversation with the accountant, we discussed another gentleman who was a investor. He wasn't a day trader, but what happened was he got a giant tax bill because he thought he could do the taxes on his own and not have an accountant. He missed a couple of check marks and owed a lot of money. So his advice again was being an accountant, it's his profession. He wants to have clients, but if you don't understand the law of accounting. You need to get an accountant if you are actively making money or losing money in the stock market. This is a real thing. This isn't just, oh, I have an app and I can trade stock. There are tax implications, just like going to FanDuel rather than to a private bookie. There are tax issues and tax things that will come up if you hit big on a FanDuel account, or if you decide to do a trade within the same year 
and make a lot of money through one trade. You get that money right back. And then come tax time, you need to pay taxes on it. This isn't just, ooh, I made an investment and I don't have the money to pay the taxes on it. Uncle Sam wants his money. So it is strongly advised, get an accountant if you are actually taking this as a serious way of making money for yourself and investing in the future. It's just the smart advice. It's going to cost you less money to get an accountant now than if you make a mistake and have to get an accountant to fix your fuck up. And the other the other thing I want to add in just from personal experience is don't confuse an actual accountant who does it like all the time with uh, somebody at one of the, the seasonal tax firms that opens up um, during the year. I won't name names, but they advertise that um, you can get your taxes done at them for fairly cheap. And um, when it comes to stocks and everything like that, uh, a lot of people who have only just started trading are going to find out that now that you have uh, stocks that you have to show and you have to show all your trades and everything else, you're going to get that, that, um, that paperwork from Robin hood for your taxes. Um, now you have a long form stock and a long form stock is not going to be, uh, nearly as cheap to do as, you know, the, the short form stock that you were doing before. And the other thing about that is that not only is it more expensive at those seasonal tax firms, it's actually exorbitantly expensive. <laughs> and I found that out the hard way the first time I ever uh, went to get my taxes done at a um, seasonal tax corporation, I guess. Um, so just just understand that that is not where you want to go. That's the last place you want to go. You want to get in with an accountant and you want to do it the right way with actually does do it professionally and doesn't just do it a couple months a year. The last piece of news that I also got from the accountant was on the cryptocurrency side. It is treated like a stock. So if you sell it within the same year, those tax implications are that way. And if you do hold it for more than a year, there is capital gains that you get to use for the cryptocurrency. Now in 2020, you did not have to disclose if you bought cryptocurrency. If you sold, obviously you'd be paying the taxes on it. However, Come 2021, and this is what I'm being told, and if it changes, which it very well could, you never know, if you purchase cryptocurrency in 2021, you are going to have to check off a box this year that you purchased it. So the government is going to now know who, in fact, owns cryptocurrency going into the years to come. I don't know what that means. But it also makes me think that could be why the SEC isn't taking it as seriously now, but will eventually start taking it more seriously. And perhaps that's why Elon Musk isn't getting in trouble because the government really doesn't know what to do yet. So as time goes on, he can manipulate it as much as he wants now. But maybe two years from now, if Elon Musk decides to say, I'm naming my dog Doji, he can get in a lot of trouble for that, which honestly, I hope he does. He's another one who doesn't get held accountable for any of his bullshit, but yet he's another one everybody loves because he is a billionaire tech man who came from, actually, he didn't come from nothing. So I actually don't get the love. 
he's not really a success story, is he? He's he's not a success story. He his parents owned a diamond mine or something or an emerald mine. That's what it was. His parents owned an emerald mine that uh, benefited from apartheid in South Africa. I haven't really looked too deeply into it. Um, but that that's kind of the gist of what I'm seeing. We should look into Elon Musk. Maybe he'll make our list next week. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Why? Because he created Tesla, which is a great car. I'm not going to knock it. Because he created a great vehicle and created all these great things, like he just gets a But pass. he didn't even create Tesla. That's the thing. Tesla was a company before he came around. He just, he created PayPal. And he made all his money off that and then turned around and reinvested it in Tesla. And now he had, a, he had a big hand in making Tesla what it is today, but he was not part of the inception of Tesla itself as a company. I don't think a lot of people make that distinction, and that's an important one. Oh, well, honestly, PayPal sucks. I hated PayPal when it first came out, when I started buying on eBay, and it has sucked even more now. That company went, like, really in the trash. You know how many times they accidentally stole $500 from me? Like three times. Maybe it wasn't an accident. Maybe Elon Musk has a time machine also, and he saw in the future that you were going to talk shit about him. So he's like, I'm going to steal $500 from Chris. <laughs> he's a dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I hate him, and I hate uh, Richard Branson. So in a, in a toss-up of who I hate more, it's, it's, it's tough, man. I cannot decide. I don't know, dude. I have to say Richard Branson went up a little bit of a notch in my book because he pissed off Jeff Bezos. It's true. I mean, that does that, you know, I do like to see uh, billionaires get mad. Uh, And yeah, usually it is only other billionaires who are able to do that. And I mean, Richard Branson's had he's been a billionaire for a long time, longer than Jeff Bezos has. And he's been messing around with, uh, you know, the, the, the low orbit or whatever the hell kind of flight he's been doing. He's been messing around with that for a long time. So I get it. It makes sense to me that he was able to to make that into something now, you know, as opposed to, to Jeff Bezos. But you'll see when Jeff Bezos goes to space with his brother, that'll that'll be the big news. And Richard Branson will be forgotten about. Maybe. But, you know, what would be really icing on the cake if Bezos has a problem taking. off. Oh, my God. I really hope that happens. I really do. I want the worst thing to happen to that spaceship. Well, I'm not wishing death on anybody, but I'm hoping something happens to where it it becomes a problem and it just can't take off and it's stuck. Like the door, they go to close the door and it just falls off. (laughs) And Jeff Bezos is just sitting (laughs) in like the, the prone position inside the, uh, you know, he's, he's just sitting in in like the fetal position inside the spacecraft, like waiting to take off, but he can't. And he also can't get out like the buckle malfunctions. So he's just stuck in there staring at everybody with his gecko eyes. (laughs) I, I love how he's just like, well, he only went 56 miles. We're going 62 or 63. Like, you know, it doesn't even count. It's not really space. Is any of it space? I mean, like, how how far out does Earth's atmosphere? You know why I really don't care? Because I'm never going to space. So it really does. Like, I'm not that person that's like, wow, we made it out to space. I'm that guy that's just like, I don't care. How about we solve other issues than spending billions of dollars to get the space? The only thing that makes me nervous is because there's some other thing going on where the earth is overpopulated. So we need to figure out a way to get all of us rich people out of here before the earth just eliminates itself. It is kind of convenient, right? That at this time, 
where everybody's uh, talking about how climate change is starting to come to a head, all these rich people are trying to get off of Earth. And the thing, maybe climate change is caused by all the spaceships. <laughs> that somebody actually mentioned that today at my job, and I thought it was – I actually – thought it was an interesting point and he's like well you know if they say climate change is getting bad what the hell they're sending all these things up through the atmosphere you know that's got to punch a hole in something right and i was like no and then i was thinking about it i'm like well i, I don't know i mean hell what if it does <laughs> that's not good but what do they care they're going to be able to go to space and leave us all here i mean you know there are people that are just like oh my god this is an amazing thing they found ways to go to space well guess how much it costs to go to space you can't go to space yeah. So who really cares if they can go to space? Yeah, they're privatizing space travel, but they're absolutely not making it accessible. Like you could argue maybe that these are the baby steps towards it, but I don't know. I still see it being prohibitively expensive for the average person for a long time before it gets to a level where, you know, you or I could go to space. But then what happens next when finally people like us can go to space? Do you realize there's going to be casualties and then there's going to be lawsuits? Oh, yeah. Once you make it something where a lot of spaceships are take a tour in space, one's going to explode and 200 people are going to die. So now what? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I don't know what happens after that. I mean, space travel, I at least don't borrow any money from the government or allow any taxpayer to have to be accountable for any of the space travel. I would like to think, and it's obviously not the case, but you know, if you look at the books where they're doing exploratory, you know, space, I wonder how much tax breaks they get for this. So they're getting all these tax breaks to be able to explore space. It's like a research and development cost. Probably. Yeah, I'm sure they get all kinds of grants, right now, and the grants are probably funded by taxpayers, in addition to the fact that these companies don't really pay much in taxes as it is. So I'm sure there's a way for them to take that extra money they've saved from not paying taxes. Amazon, for example, could take that money and somehow funnel it through some charity or whatever that gives to a grant, and then you know their space exploration team just happens to be awarded that grant. You know, it, it's it's all follow the money, but I think I don't think it's it would be that hard to follow in the end. And we're talking billions. Like we're talking like money that could solve other shitty problems. Yeah. Yeah. None of them are in a race to solve world hunger. <laughs> now I've seen that a lot where it's just like, you know, between space travel and solving world hunger, like the race to solve world hunger, why are they racing to go to space? One, they don't fucking care about hungry people. And then the thing with the, with, with um, the vaccinations where, well, what about insulin? Stuff like that. Like, why aren't you giving free insulin shots? So there's it, it goes hand in hand. Why aren't we solving other issues? Right. I, I've been seeing a lot about the uh the insulin issue lately. And uh yeah, I mean the more the more I see about it, the the worse it kind of seems as as far as the drug companies just jacking up the price of it. I mean, it's not like it's the kind of thing, it, it's not like insulin is for a diabetic person, the difference between like a decent life and like a really great life. Like, it's not like insulin's a luxury. It is absolutely like a necessity. And there's people having to skip it and stuff like that. I mean, like that, that is objectively a failure of humanity. <laughs> if, if you can't provide that for people who need it, that, that is wrong. I give credit when it's when it's due and I don't like it, but I will say when someone's right or someone's doing the right thing, I give them credit for it. And Biden, 
I guess is working towards some sort of agree, not agreement, but some sort of law where we can start importing stuff from Canada. And I think insulin is on that list. I mean, fuck pharmaceutical companies. I get there are sales reps and high ups making boatloads of money, but guess what? That money's not going in my pocket. So I don't really give a fuck if one of these large pharmaceutical companies go under because we're getting drugs that are a little bit more affordable from another country. Yeah. I mean, what do we care? Why do we care? Uh, you know, the attorneys, the doctor, no, no, well, the doctors, never mind. I can't use them as an example, but attorneys, accountants, people who are in the higher class, why do they actually care if people are getting more affordable stuff? Why do they care if a big pharmaceutical company goes under? It it really doesn't affect their pocket. It doesn't. It's more or less, well, you're just a schmuck then. Yeah. For for giving a shit so much. Like you don't you get nothing off of insulin being a hundred dollars or insulin being a dollar or fifty cents. It doesn't matter to you. You're a personal injury attorney. You're a you're a corporate attorney that works for Coca-Cola. You it doesn't matter to you if insulin is is a hundred dollars or a dollar. Why do you care? Who cares? Let the person get it for a dollar. That means that they're going to have enough more money to to justify. All right, well, my personal injury attorney is taking forty percent rather than thirty percent. But hell, my insulin's only a dollar, not a hundred, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I I think uh, as a whole. Um, you know, when it, when a big drug company or something like that does go under, they should do the same thing that they also should have done to a company like Boeing when it went under, which is at that point, you know, you know, if you want to bail them out one time and say, and, you know, slap them on the wrist and say, don't do that again. You know, I, I still think that's shitty, but okay, fine. If you want to do that to try and maintain the illusion of like, you know, uh, a free market and, and yada, yada. Okay, fine. But what the second time that a company does the same exact thing, that that got them into you know deep shit in the first place. They when they do that a second time, uh, the government ought to step in and take them over. Be like, okay, look, that that's it. You're done. Like now, now you are government owned company. Yeah. How many times can you bail certain companies out? I mean, obviously, you don't have the right people in place if you fuck up once, and then if you fuck up twice, you really have to be like, well, what are you all doing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you it's really, really hard to argue that like free market prevails when the government has to step in and bail you out. And then you just you just get off scot-free to make the same mistakes again. You know, either let that company fail and let all the other companies fill the void that is created by that company not existing anymore and let the other companies that are running successfully do it the right way or take it over as the government and say, okay, look, this is how we're going to structure it. And now it is, you know, now it is an entity of the government. There is enough competition now where if really any company fails, there is enough competition to take up that market share. Absolutely. I agree. If Amazon ever failed, if this space thing blows up, literally, Amazon is going to take a hit. It won't kill Amazon, but they should not get a fucking bailout. I thought Bezos got a bailout and he bought MGM and the motherfucker still going yeah. to space. Yep. That is such bullshit. I hope the fucking thing does blow up. <laughs> well, I don't know if he could say that, but why? What what, what am I going to do? Am I going to get a text message? So I can't believe you fucking said that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't care. 
I don't care. I mean, I'd be lying to say, oh my God, I'd be devastated and heartbroken. Am I supposed to lie? I thought these podcasts were honestly just meant for speaking freely and honestly. Can I get arrested for saying that? I don't care. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I just hope that uh, there comes a day where we don't try to idolize um, rich people for just doing insane things with the insane amounts of money that they've gathered uh, through, you know, means that are not scrupulous. I hope because he is going to space now, they take away that $10 billion bailout. I mean, that's insane that they're getting that bailout and he's still going to space. It just doesn't make sense. Like you get bailed out, but yet you're still going to go to space, probably on all the grants that we paid yeah. for. Yeah. I, I wonder if uh, <laughs> maybe when he lands, the, like Joe Biden himself will come up to him and be like, here you go, chief, and just hand him like a, a $10 billion bill. <laughs> Yeah, right. Oh, boy. <sighs> well, see, when cre- I get, you give him credit for something and he does something else stupid. The other thing he did, though, that I do want to share in this episode, since we were talking about work and people not getting paid enough, I do like the logic of his non-compete agreement being basically eliminated or rewritten where you're not allowing certain people to work at certain places. I think he used a pretty stupid example when he gave his speech. He's like, Burger King and McDonald's, like, I understand that if you have a corporate executive that literally knows the recipe of whatever secret sauce making $250,000 a year where you don't allow him to work at McDonald's, like, if that's what he's talking about, then honestly, you lost me. But I'm talking about someone who may make dollars $80,000 at one bank, and then the bank across the street is like, we see your value. You're working hard. You're not making enough money. We want you to take on the same role and we're going to pay you a hundred thousand. Those are the people I'm talking about. Somebody who is in a sales role. I'm going to use payroll companies, for instance, paychecks and ADP. Let's just say you work for paychecks and you have a pretty good, decent book of business with paychecks. And it turns out you can't go to ADP with your book of business because clearly you're going to try to take them away. But if paychecks is treating you like shit and they're not compensating you correctly and ADP is like, well, we treat our sales reps like valuable employees. And this is no endorsement on ADP and it's no dis endorsement on paychecks. These are just a couple of examples I'm using. And ADP wants to offer that paychecks employee a lot more money and show them their value. Leave. Yeah. I mean, there's no point in working for a company that, that doesn't, value you as much as a company in a similar sector would. It's sales. It's a sales thing. And at some point it's, you know, you make so much money, you know, I'll give you an example. My father, who you all admit um, on the Father's Day special, he worked for a construction company and he was selling construction equipment. He was at one point making more money than the CEO. And what the CEO decided to do was cut his commission split after he gets makes a certain amount of money. So he makes so much money where the CEO decided to cut his compensation because he was making too much money in sales. So if there were another construction company that were across the street, he would not be allowed to move over to that company. It would ban him from doing that, right? That's that's that point of that non-compete. You can't work for our competitor. And so if that was the case, if I found out I was making so many so much money 
and I'm making more than the CEO because I'm really good at what I do and you're going to cap me, then fuck yeah, I should be able to leave. It's not my fault that you're a CEO and you know how to manage and you yeah. can't sell. That's yeah, not that's my a fault. dick move. That's a dick move if you're a CEO and you're going to cap somebody just because they're making more than you. <laughs> that's that's really scummy. And it also kind of shows, uh, like, I mean, as a CEO, you ought to be able to see when something like that's happening. And also, that's directly going into the business that you're running. I mean, you would think somebody who is directly responsible for, you know, how ultimately how the business does would be happy that somebody is there doing so well that they are, are holding this business aloft to another level. Cause ultimately that money coming in, it's not like it's not going to you too. So I, I don't know. Yeah. That's just, that's just a scumbag who does something like that. And the CEO wasn't a sales guy. So the money, they always say money is in sales. That's why it's kind of crazy when you see some of these CEOs making like $30 million a year. You're literally just going to meetings all day long and scratching your balls or yeah. vagina. Yeah, it's true. Or you're just straight up lying to people. Yeah, exactly. Right? And I know the past couple of weeks, it seems as if like we were kind of knocking small business a little bit, but I want to let you all know that is not what we're doing. First off, I love a good yes. small business. We are we are kind of knocking some of the the bigger companies who are just not paying. And you are a schmuck if you think that people are being compensated fairly. There are some great small businesses. A lot of my friends own small businesses and they treat their employees great. However, there are some small businesses out there that don't compensate their people the right way. And just because we are supporters of small business, I'll be the first one to say not all small business owners are good people. There are some who have egos like the Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos is of the world. Your piece is a shit too, but there are great small businesses. And that's why small businesses can thrive because they do have a little bit more of an understanding of how the real world works. But there are small businesses that are trying to be like these corporations and corporatize. Stop right. corporatizing. Yeah. That's that I think is an issue. The The whole point of a small business is that like the owner of it and that the people working it all get to, to really work together and see how things work from the ground level so that, you know, the, the path forward, all kind of seeing eye to eye and seeing exactly how it goes. Right. Because in order to grow, in order to get, again, I'm not quoting him the right way, but my cousin Mario said, you can be a million dollar company. You can be a $2 million company. You can be a $3 million company and run kind of the same way. But then when you go from that four to 10 million, it's going to be super stressful and it's, it's growth, it's investment. And it is harder to make that four to 10 million than it is to make that 11 through 20 yeah. because it it's a huge jump. It's, it's basically like you're going from small, medium business to a large business. I mean, $10 million a year in in gross is hard to do. And making $3 million in gross is hard to do. But that's such a big jump where do you want to be that company that is doing $10 million gross? Because if you if you want to make $10 million gross, you know what that means? It doesn't mean that you're putting seven more million dollars in your pocket. It means that you're going to have more expenses. You need more employees. You need to understand that it takes a level of understanding that you're not going to be 
the highest paid person probably there. You decide to take that risk. It's you want to grow, but you want to make more money, but you don't. To, 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 in order to get to that next step, you have to invest. And it's, and it's going to be more blood, sweat, and tears. That's why you have employees that don't want to do that. But just because you have employees that don't want to open up their own business doesn't mean that they shouldn't be compensated right. fairly because they're the ones helping you get there. I like that. If a business goes from one place to the next, you have to look at everyone that's beneath you. And did they help you grow or did they not? And honestly, if they didn't help you grow, you have right. to let them go. Right. Whenever, you know, you talk about like how workers aren't compensated fairly and everything else, there is a good point, which also is that like, yeah, there are some people out there who are just kind of shitty and they're going to do whatever it takes to do the bare minimum. They, they are in every sector, every walk of life. You're going to encounter somebody like that. And when, when I say that like people should be compensated fairly, like I, I also think that some of that is just that the, the people who do work hard shouldn't be held accountable because there are people out there like that. There are people out there who suck, but that they shouldn't lower the wages for everybody, you know, and you should, you should be a little more selective about who you take on as a, a business. If you want to compensate everybody fairly, like, yeah, you, you need to make sure that the people that you're compensating for working for you are people who are actually of value to your company and not just warm bodies that are at a desk or something like that. So I, I can understand that is a struggle also for business owners. So when, when we say things like, you know, compensate people fairly, that is something that that is a valid counterpoint that there are some people out there who really don't deserve to be compensated at the same level as uh, everybody else is. I think a good example to give is, Target because I don't know anyone that currently works at Target. When I got out of college, Target was a job that a lot of Maris employee, uh, Maris graduates who were in HR could get. You can manage a Target store. And the starting salary for a manager of a Target, I believe, was $40,000. Oh, so God. to manage a Target store, it's a salary too now. So now you would be the manager of the store. And that was like a, a great thing. It's a st- They called it some sort of stepping stone. You're out of school and you get to manage a department store. It was 40 grand, maybe 50. I actually don't think it was 50. I don't think it was that Jesus. much. I think it was 40. That was also a salary position where you're probably not even expected to do 40. You're probably were expected to do at minimum 45 hours. And I'm sure that 45 hours turned into 50 or 60 hours. Now, I doubt they've increased that too much. Let's just call it today. A manager of Target gets anywhere between 50 and $60,000 for their first year. Now, maybe it's different in certain areas. You're going to New York City. Maybe it's starting 70. It's 70,000 sounds good in New York City, but then you realize that you pay city tax and state tax and federal tax. 70 doesn't seem all that great anymore. And probably assume that you're taking a subway there and other commuting expenses that you don't get because you're W 2. But you're now dealing with all of the other smaller employees below you. So now you're dealing with cashiers that are calling out. You're dealing with the pharmacy, unless the pharmacy has its own management. Now now it's CVS, I think, in, in Target. But beforehand, Target had their own pharmacy. And you're dealing with all the different departments and all the bullshit that happens for a meager 70 grand a year because if two or three people call out, 
Because listen, if you're making minimum wage, probably at $10 an hour, you don't give a fuck if you call out. You don't care if anybody's stressing. So now you're managing a store. Now, if that manager's gone, you have nobody controlling those $10 an hour employees. Now, if those $10 employees are gone, you now just have a department store full of merchandise, right? So in order for the target CEO to get paid, he needs to have those stores run by reliable, valuable, good people, but they don't focus on those employees. They just let them, they let turnovers happen because you know what? They're not dealing with that store on a day by day basis. In my opinion, wouldn't it be better to offer Let's just say federal min- I mean the federal minimum wage is 725 and I think New York City the minimum wage is $15 an hour. Wouldn't it be better just to pay a little bit more to just say hey we want top notch people here we don't want a high turnover rate we're going to give our managers a little bit more money so they can motivate a little bit more and I don't need 20 million dollars a year. Like you know target this 2020 target CEO Brian Cornell's compensation surged to 77 and a half million in 2020. Yeah. yeah. What is, what does he have to do to justify I mean, making that package, much money? His package is 77 and a half million in one year. Oh, but it was a pandemic and well, you weren't fucking busy and what your hazard pay, you what you give people an extra fucking dollar. Yeah. No. Yeah. I looked into uh, some of the hazard bay at some of these places and it, it really was bullshit. <laughs> I mean, a dollar, yeah. A dollar more an hour to work somewhere where you're already like, paid very little is is honestly insulting i mean it's as insulting as like a 600 dollars stimulus check <laughs> and and really where i'm getting at is if like a target that guy couldn't make that money if it wasn't for his minions okay like the 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 smallest person a cashier checking people out if you don't have them you don't sell goods okay and if you don't sell goods your stock can't go up and i get I guess if you paid people more, your like your total company revenue would go down. But there's got to be something on low employee turnover that shows value. Well, in a I know I was reading a thing on Amazon. Uh, I want to say last week, and part of Amazon's strategy, there was a guy I guess who worked up next to um, Jeff Bezos. And he quit and he was kind of, he's kind of whistleblowing a little bit. And part of the, the ethos that was like at the core of Amazon's sort of corporate philosophy was that the, the people who work in the warehouses, you know, the, the lowest rung of people at the uh, Amazon employee ladder, they are supposed to be miserable and unhappy because high turnover is actually better for them. People work harder in like the first you know, six months of a job than they do after a year they found out. So it's like, you know, it's actually better for them to, to, you know, sort of cut people's schedules and do all these sort of things that are going to drive them towards the exit than to try and entice them to stay on. That's fucking sick actually. And you know what? It is true because you always work harder when you first start a new job. That is disgusting. I don't buy Amazon. Everyone stop buying stop. Amazon. I'm going to, I'm going to jump on stop this bandwagon too, because uh, yeah, 
after it is shitty. After really I read that, and, I mean, dude, can you imagine that there are people that are probably making millions of dollars sitting in a board boardroom saying that you know people work harder when they first start working. So in our warehouses, we want this to be about six months and then leave. Let's just work them to death and leave. You load sixteen tons. What do you get? Yeah, another day older and deeper in debt, dude. That is fucked. That really is. That that is yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty disgusting. I'm surprised that guy's still alive. Well, yeah, I'm sure he's going to accidentally commit suicide by shooting himself twice in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to find like a terabyte of uh child porn on a computer of his or something and then he's going to end up in a jail cell and then they're going to hang him or he's going to have hung himself from that as a oh, that's good though it's it's great that he came out it's it's great that he decided to do this but do you realize none of the news outlets like it's it was this? you know there's a couple there's a couple um newspapers that did like i said i i read it online so it is one of those things that made mild waves but i'm positive that there was a conscious effort to make the the ripples of this as minimized as possible but see this is a story that you follow up on because i'll tell you what in this podcast i don't know how many people are going to listen to it i will consistently remind everybody that jordan belfort's a piece of shit and that anyone that puts money in his pocket you are part of the fucking problem that we're in. Yeah. Well, it's like I was saying in in one of the uh, the other episodes when we were when we were talking about um, if we really if we really want to make any kind of meaningful change here, then we have to resist the temptation of convenience that's afforded to us by companies like Amazon and like Uber Eats and things like that. All these all these convenience things that have sort of. Uh, crept into uh the routines of everybody we have to forego those conveniences and i get that it's easier for some people than it is for others but we all have to try and make a conscious effort to use it all as little as possible because us giving into that is what enables these companies to keep committing i mean like this is kind of an atrocity (laughs) it's kind of an atrocity that they can get away with stuff like this you know and that's how they get away with it is because people will continue to buy there so if if you're going to do that you know, you're going to enable the problem and no matter how much you can be vocal about, you know, hating that, hating this system, uh, as it, you know, as it is currently and, and hating the, the mechanics of a market like this, you're enabling them by spending your money at these big box stores that are, that are doing this stuff. And the reason they have the power to do this stuff is because everybody spends their money there. So it's a, it's a feedback loop that you need to break. We, we, as the individual need to break it. And I think it's an opportunity for small business to, to rise here. It's just, they need to get their act together in terms of. No, no, no. I I like that. I just, I, small business needs to, to step up and, and be the better example of how, you know, a business can operate without exploiting, without outright exploiting the employees of it. Small businesses need to show that, Hey, we got our act together. And we can treat our employees very well. And what we want is for people to want to work yes. for small business. Yeah. I'll tell you what, every every small business that I have worked for, I have been happy at it. And like my my current job is, you know, I work for a small business and I'm I'm happy there. I feel like I am valued as an employee. And that's that's what I look for in in where I work. And that's what everybody should look for. Everybody should look for a place that they feel like 
the the fabric of that place is you know they're integral to the operation of that place and that place likewise looks at them as an integral member of their staff so i think everybody should should feel that way when you know when you have a job well listeners listen i do apologize i didn't get to curse much in last that week's episode so i kind of went a little overboard in this one but i'm all about yeah, you made mediums. up for it that's good we i did right i did it's okay remember intelligent people yeah. Use profanity. So next week will be a very special episode. I hope you enjoyed the last three episodes, including this one. I think we covered a lot with stock investing. We do need to get our restaurant interviewee on here. So I think him actually ghosting us did bring us this little saga of episodes, which will bring a brand new type of episode next week. We're going to go a little bit out of our comfort zone. And rather than talking about current events, we are going to do a countdown for you all. So we hope you enjoy it. And as we do that countdown, Tom, I would say we should come up with something creative to get a little interactive with our listeners now that we hit this milestone of 500 downloads i think we're we're yeah, doing pretty good i think huh? so also uh, one thing that i kind of wanted to touch on here was that um somebody not even just somebody several people have mentioned to me uh what exactly the outcome of the horseshoe game was so uh i think we should answer that by saying uh we got ghosted and we, we passed the ghosting on to you the listener Yes, we we ghosted you, listener. <laughs> and also, uh, we couldn't we couldn't put the stakes, but but that's okay. Anyway, um, so yeah, we didn't we didn't forget about the horseshoe game. We will have uh, some sort of makeup for that at some point in time. But in the meantime, just know that we are super grateful for having 500 downloads and for all the engagement that we've gotten. Sincerely, thank you. That's great. We really do appreciate it. We are going to have to start asking you all as a favor, if you could share our episode, whether on a Facebook post, through Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube share, or an Instagram post, we would really greatly appreciate it. We do want to broaden our, you know, listening list. It seems that um, we're ready to, we're doing it. This, you know, this is, we're doing it. This isn't just going to be, we're done in two weeks. We are going to continue doing episodes. And um, the next step is going to be asking you all for a little bit of help. So make sure uh, you make your checks out to me specifically, and uh, I will make sure they go to the appropriate parties. (laughs) stupid well like us on facebook follow us on twitter again the facebook one's easy but tom yeah so uh the twitter Twitter link is (laughs) hang on i gotta look it up again because i actually (laughs) i don't remember it um let's see the twitter link is at the Chris Tom Show One S H O One, the number one. So just think of it like 
instead of it's like a W for one. <laughs> but uh but yeah, de- definitely, definitely hop on Twitter, doing stuff on there, and uh, it's it's a fun time. All right. Well, everyone, enjoy your week, and we will catch you next week with our special yes. countdown episode. So definitely make sure you don't miss that one because that one is going to be good. Even though we are we are we are abstaining from our ethos a little bit here, and we are just we are incorporating just a smidgen of structure. Structure. Structure.